Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? Pastor Aaron here. I want to say welcome this morning to Simple Church, whether you are joining us in our online campus or on Facebook or through a podcast, or maybe you're watching on YouTube or some other way that I have not even known that exists uh, that you're watching. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for being part of what we're doing here. I mean, I hope that you're already experiencing uh, the grace and the presence of God uh, through our worship. And uh, as we continue to dive into his word, I hope that that just continues to perpetuate for you. Today we are in a series uh, called Galatians. And uh, typically when we do a series, we grab a topic and we do a whole series on it. Uh, but, But this time what we're doing is the series or the six weeks is we're spending six weeks in the book of Galatians, just going chapter by chapter, Uh, talking about what it has to say in its entirety. And so uh, we're we're looking at this book or rather this letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote. Now, the Apostle Paul, by the way, that word apostle just means like special messenger or today we would understand it uh, within the terms of saying like Paul was a church planner. He was a church planner, not a pastor. He was an entrepreneur. He would go and he would start churches. He would establish uh, healthy leadership and then he would leave them to run the church uh, and and to care for that community of believers. And then he would move on to other cities and he would do it all over again. And so Paul does that. He planted lots of churches and all these churches that he planted, at times he he sent dialogue to them, but it was was, uh, actually just just letters that he sent to them. And they would send him letters back, kind of updating him on what is going on. And so these letters that were sent, we've, we've recovered them and we've, we call them books though. We call them books of the Bible, but these, these letters were to all of those New Testament churches. There's, there's the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi and so on and so on. This was specifically to the church at Galatia. And what was in the content of these letters was Paul was getting updates from them, either in person from somebody that was there who had traveled to him and said, Hey, here's the update or or it was a letter that arrived and they would say, hey, this is what's going on. And Paul would send instruction and he would send correction to them through these letters. And it was to help them to have a firm foundation as Christ followers. Well, in particular, this letter to the Galatian church uh, is, is the situation is that Paul has uh, established this church. He's preached Jesus. They've accepted him and uh, he set up leaders and authority in his place and he's moved on. And what's happened after he's left is that some Jewish Christians who didn't have a very firm foundation in their faith came in behind Paul. And what they wanted to do was to get the Galatians to who were Gentiles, by the way, which means non-Jews. They wanted to get them to uh, participate in the Jewish law. In other words, they told him, you're not really saved. Jesus was a Jew. And in order for you to be saved or to have salvation, you've got to come underneath the ruling of the law of the, you've got to come, you've got to abide by the rules in order to experience the freedom of Christ. And the one thing that they really were pushing hard for them to do 
was something that was very uncomfortable specifically to grown men. Uh, and that was, they wanted them all to be circumcised, which was a bodily signal of their submission to the law of God. But, but here, Paul didn't preach that to them. Paul taught them that salvation came through faith alone in Christ, not outward works, and specifically not circumcision. And so, man, there was a lot of people that were distraught over the idea that as grown men, they would need to get circumcised. And so that word reaches Paul, that, that, that these, these Jewish Christians are now trying to introduce the law to the Galatians. And Paul writes this letter. It's six chapters long. And, and he even talks to him. He starts off his letter just addressing them. And this is what we did last week. He addressed them and said, I can't believe that you Galatians abandoned your freedom so fast. In other words, you, you gave up the gospel or the good news. That's what gospel means. You abandoned the gospel that I preached to you, the good news, so fast. And you abandoned the freedom of relationship and took up the rules of religion, which, as we talked about last week, it's the difference between good news and fake news, right? We understand that. We understand fake news. We understand that we have to be wary of what we hear, but the Galatians didn't. They were not cautious about what they heard. And so, so, so Paul reminds them like, hey, there is a version of the gospel that is false or is fake. There is a version of Christianity, my friends, and you need to hear this too, that is not correct. We've got a branding issue. There's, there is people that believe that the way that we get to God is and the way that we approach God has everything to do with how we behave. It has to do with our works and our efforts to get to God. And this, by the way, is us following rites and rituals and religion. It's all about what we do. But the right way to approach God and the gospel that Paul preached and the gospel that we believe in has nothing to do with all those things. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. And it's all about approaching a relationship with God through a true relationship, not about what we do. And last week we talked about that, that this theme has been all throughout the Bible. And it actually started in the very first story, the temptation to, to get to God and have a relationship with God through what we do, to become like him through what we do. The temptation for religion started early on. And we talked about how Adam and Eve were tempted to be like God, to eat from the tree that God told them not to eat from. Because there was two trees in the garden, the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and the devil tempted them and said, if you want to be like God, which was not a bad thing, by the way, we all want to be like God. We want to be godly, in other words. And so the temptation was to be like God through our own efforts instead of through relationship with him. And so Adam and Eve both ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, you know that that brought death, not just physical death for them, but death in many areas of their life. It brought shame, made them, uh, led them to hiding from God. And, um, and, and a lot of terrible things <laughs> happened as a result of hanging out. We talked about hanging out in the wrong tree, that you and I have a choice. And that tree represents our approach to being godly. Are we going to approach it from the tree of life way or are we going to approach it through the lens of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the religious way of doing it our own way. 
So if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's really, uh, it's foundational to us here at Simple Church uh, and specifically in how we approach our relationship with God. So that was the very first part of Galatians that we talked about. So we're going to pick up the rest of that letter today and we're going to start here in chapter two and uh, where I'm going to read from, this is the called the message paraphrase because it's just like the way that it, that it phrases uh, the, this story part of it. So let's pick up right here. And it says, later when Peter came to Antioch, this is chapter two, verse 11 through 13 in the message paraphrase. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. So, So Paul has a confrontation with Peter when they meet up because of something Peter was doing. He said, here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, so in other words, he's saying certain persons, like he knows who they were, he could name them, but he's keeping his lips shut about that. He said, from certain people, come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. So Peter made it part of his habit to sit and eat with the Gentiles on a regular basis. But as soon as this person came from James, and James was part of the Jewish Christian group, Peter all of a sudden changes his behavior. He says, but when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back. And, And that's really the theme of today's message. We're going to talk about how how easy it is for us to be in the tree of life, but to swing back or to pull back and go back to our old ways of being. Uh, Peter swung back from, from experiencing the freedom that came from Christ because, see, the law of the, the Jews, were you, you didn't eat with Gentiles. You didn't fellowship with them like that, you know? But, but because of Christ, Peter felt the freedom to do that because in Christ, there was no Gentile or Jew. Like that, that was just a dividing line that didn't exist. And so Peter was enjoying that freedom. But then one of the Jewish brothers from comes and, and sees, sees what's going on. And Peter, Peter pulls back away from him, right? It's just, it's hypocrisy. And so Peter put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. And that's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas, who was Paul's traveling companion, somebody that preached this freedom with him, Barnabas was swept along in the charade. So so here's what's happening here. Again, let me just reiterate it. Peter has enjoyed the freedom that comes from Christ. He grew up as a Jewish man, which meant that he obeyed the law of God. But when Jesus came, he came and fulfilled the law and gave us all kinds of freedoms all kinds of freedoms. And one of them was fellowshipping with the Gentiles. And so Peter's doing that. And then when one of his Jewish Christian friends come along, he went back into rules. He went right back and left his freedom behind that he had now in Christ and went back to the rules and the religion that he had previously known. And there were other people along with him that had enjoyed the freedom that they had found in their relationship with Christ that went back to the law. So Peter did it, others with him, and even Barnabas. They went back to this fake news gospel. The people that were preaching the the gospel saying, Jesus saves, but you need to get circumcised, right? So Peter, of course, is is the leader of the Christian Jews, and they're all caught up in this charade. It's a charade. It's an act. It's hypocrisy. And, And I think we all have a tendency to get caught up in the same exact thing. So here's today's question, because we're all susceptible to it. How do we keep from going back to our old way of living? Because I think that as Christ followers, if you're being honest about your life, your day-to-day life, we all vacillate. We all go back and forth from the tree of life 
to the, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where, where our efforts only produce death in our life. They, they produce death in our relationships, death in our, in our thought patterns, death in our attitudes. How do we keep from going back and forth? Why do we do this? We go from serving God with the right motivation in our hearts, that we love him and we delight in his, in his, in what he's asked us to do. We go back to religion and where it's all about our efforts and it's all about our duty. We have to do this. It goes from we get to do this to we have to do this. Why do we do that? But all of us do it. I, I do it too. I tend to swing, swing back over into the other tree, into the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. Every time I get in my car. Come on, anybody out there. If, you, if, you, if it's the same for you, if you find that your salvation in Jesus goes right out the window when you get in your car, give me some love there in the comments. Let me just say me too, Aaron. Me, me too, Pastor Aaron. Because, because it doesn't matter if I got worship music playing, if I've had an incredible time with the Lord that, that morning and I've had the best things happen, God giving me breakthrough and I'm having all kinds of answers to prayers and, and maybe I've even got worship music playing in the car singing along and then boom, out of nowhere. Somebody does something stupid. Somebody drives like a maniac or somebody's driving too slow or somebody cuts me off or, or there's just, I mean, it's the tensions get high really, really quick. And I find myself like Tarzan, oh, swinging back to another tree. I find myself in a tree where I'm judging them, where I'm condemning them, where I'm angry, angry enough that I don't, that I cuss, but not out loud, just in my head. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. And grace and mercy for that person that I ought to have is gone. <laughs> Love that I ought to have for them is gone. Understanding out the window, patience gone, goodness gone, gentleness gone, self-control, you betcha, gone. Every gift of the spirit, every fruit of the spirit, gone. I forget who I am and I forget whose I am and I begin acting like old me. So today's message is dedicated to each of you who can relate. <laughs> We've experienced the freedom that comes from Christ, but we wind up swinging right back into that old tree. So, so the question again is, how do we keep from going back? Well, the answer is, and there's hope that's in this, is it begins with knowing and understanding the gospel. Um, and, and I mean like the good news gospel, not the fake news gospel, right? Paul uh, addresses this vacillation, talking about Peter going, going back to his old ways or pulling back. He addresses the vacillation through the lens of re-explaining the gospel message to him. And he does that in uh, Galatians 2, verses 16 and 19. He said, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping. In other words, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. That's the tree of life. He said, how do we know? Well, we tried it. And we had the best system of rules. Paul is talking about the Ten Commandments. He said, we had the best system of, of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah. Not by circumcision. He says, not, not, not by trying to be good. What actually took place is this, verse 19. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman. He puts that in quotations, right? That's the title. I quit being a guy who's trying to follow the law. I quit trying to be a guy who tried to obey all the rules 
that, that were laid out in the Jewish law, 663 of them. He said, I, I quit trying to, 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 to abide by all of those so that I could be God's man. And that's our topic today. You see, is there a secret to ending this swinging back and forth from life to death? To, to quit living as a lawman, as Paul said, and to live as God's man. Yes, this final verse in the book of Galatians chapter 2 reveals the secret. And I have to be honest with you, this is not popular. The answer to how we stop going back and forth isn't popular. And it, it's, it's kind of a dirty word, and it's the word discipline. Uh, it's a specific discipline, actually. And I would tell you this, it's not a discipline that any pastor would use when you want to grow your church, like grow, grow it in numbers. But I will tell you this, that every pastor who's ever taught it and every church member that has ever embraced it, it has grown them personally. And so I care about that. And I know that God cares about that. So this word today, I believe is going to be challenging, but it's definitely important. In fact, aside from your decision to follow Jesus, this is probably the most important daily choice that you can make. So let's go to Galatians 2.20 and see the secret. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. He, he was talking about crucifying himself, like, like dying. And it wasn't a physical death that he's talking about. He's talking about, about crucifying a part of him, that who he is, how he is wired, everything that he can offer, all of it, he's crucifying, he's putting it to death. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so what Paul is, is telling us is that there is a way to experience life all the time. And that life is actually through death. My friends, we've got to learn the art of dying, putting to death the things that are in us that cause us to live in the wrong tree. And this principle, you'll see it all throughout scripture. If you want to experience freedom on a perpetual basis, on a continual daily moment by moment basis, you simply have to die. Jesus even talked about it in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 25. And this is the first time he's introducing this concept. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And watch what happens. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, Peter's really impetuous. In other words, he just kind of says what's on his mind. Somebody, you, you know somebody like that, right? You know somebody that doesn't really think clearly before they act. They, they want to actually act and then think about it later. And this is Peter. And Peter has this gutsy move where he, he, he rebukes Jesus. In other words, he's correcting him. Because see, let me give, just give you Peter's side of the, of the story. The Jews believe that, that all of the prophecies about the Messiah that was to come was that he was going to be a warrior or a literal king. That, that they had come to believe that he would be a physical king who would sit on a man-made throne that he was going to overthrow the Romans, that the Jews were going to be the superior uh, people group in the world, and that's who the Messiah was going to be. This was wrong. This was absolutely 100% wrong. 
off. This was not who Jesus came to be as a human king to sit on a human throne. That's why when Jesus starts talking about the fact that he's got to go and suffer and die, Peter's like, nope, not having it. You can't die because it didn't fit their narrative. It didn't fit the story that they had told themselves about who he was. So Peter goes on and says, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter. Now he's talking to Peter, but he's not really talking to Peter. He's talking to the spirit of the devil that has influenced their thought process, right? That has influenced their perspective and their approach. He's speaking to that very spirit. Watch what he says. He says, get behind me, Satan. He's talking to Peter, but he's speaking to the demonic ideology that Peter had accepted about who Jesus was. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, which would lead to be over here in the tree of life, but the things of men, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Peter, Peter is swinging in the wrong tree right now as he's rebuking Jesus and Jesus ain't having it. Then Jesus turns to all of his disciples and he says, if anyone, which I like that, by the way, I like that it says anyone because it means anyone. It doesn't mean special people. It doesn't mean rich. It doesn't mean people of a certain skin color, of certain background, of a certain class, race, certain country. No, it says anyone. If anyone would come after me, and that means anybody, to look at somebody you're sitting with and say, I'm an anyone. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Watch what he says. Take up his cross and follow me. He's got to deny himself. There are things inside of you that you've got to begin denying. And it's this approach to your godly life. It's the, pro the approach to the way you're going to live your life for Jesus. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. So Jesus, of course, introduces uh, the, the crucified life and how to live it. He's saying that in order to follow him, you've got to deny yourself, which we'll unpack here in just a moment, and die. Which, by the way, is like the worst marketing strategy ever. Like, you know, can you imagine the billboards that say, come and die, join Jesus. Right? Like, it just, it doesn't sound appealing to anybody on any level. But, but he's not talking about a physical death, but even if he was talking about death to something that you want, death to your passions, death to your desires, death to your dreams, death to whatever it might be, death just does not sound attractive, let alone they understood the context of a cross and to be crucified on a cross was not only the end of it, it was death, but it was hours and hours and sometimes days of torture as you struggled to breathe and, and birds would land on you and peck out your eyes and, and eat at your flesh while you hung there in the sun naked and, and were, were tormented not, not only by the suffering and the shame that people would, would and the things that they would say to you, but <laughs> this was just torment. Nobody would have heard that and said, I want to sign up for that. But Jesus says and makes it clear, that death to self, this, this invitation to come and die, it brings life eternal. So, so that in eternity after you have this life, but you also have a full and fulfilled life here on earth. He continues on and says, for whoever wants to save his life, well, they're going to they're gonna be willing to lose it. But whoever loses his life, excuse me, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever chooses to deny themselves, take up the cross, whoever loses his life, for me, we'll find it. So Jesus said, hey, if you want life, you've got to be willing to let go of what you think life is. 
And, and if you hold on to what you think life is, well, then you're, you're going to lose out. And so if you get this today, this is really what I want for you. I want you to learn that we have to put to death some things in our lives. That, that if we learn this, you'll find that there's nothing that will pull you from a tree of life. That you can stop vacillating. You can stop swinging back and forth between the two trees. And I know that, that an invitation to come and die is not popular. And I know that you'd rather be preached something feel good about how other people and your other circumstances can change. I know you want me to talk about how, how I was in traffic and that person in traffic made me mad and God wants to change them. No, no. I know you don't want to hear a message about how we can change. I know you want to hear about how God can change the situation because we want we want God to change our situations, but, but God wants to change us. I'll say that again. We want change situations, but God wants to change us. See, I believe, I, I know that, that everybody here that, that's watching today, you're all facing some kind of difficult situation. Maybe you've got a difficult marriage you're facing, a difficult choice that you are facing, which neither, neither, neither choice you have to make seems like the right one. Maybe you've got a difficult situation in your job or with your boss difficult family member, a difficult situation within your family. Maybe it's a health situation or maybe the difficulty you face on a daily basis literally is traffic. And I know that we, that we, when we're praying and we talk to God, we pray for those situations to change, but until they do change, or if they ever do change, you'll continue to experience death until you learn to die and let God change you within. See, that's the work that he wants to do. It's the work that he wants to do within you not necessarily fix everything around you that is bothering you or is stressing you out. So let me show it to you again one more time because I know it's not popular, but I need, I need you to understand this is a biblical principle. We've got to get on board for it. Romans 6, 6 through 7. This is Paul talking again. He said, for we know that our old self was crucified. In other words, the old way of doing things, our, our old approach to God our old ways, our old mindsets, our old attitudes, that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who died has been freed from sin. So today I wanna to teach you the art of dying well because I want you to experience the freedom that comes along with it. In fact, it's the same freedom that Paul wanted for Peter and the, re the exact reason why he confronted Peter the way he did. Because it, it, and in the end, here's what we know about Peter. Peter received that, that confrontation. Peter received that rebuke from Paul because in, his, in the later letters that Peter wrote towards the end of the Bible, his attitude reflects the change that Paul challenged him to embrace, to let go of the hypocrisy and to enjoy the freedom that Christ gave him. And so we, we know that, that what Peter or what Paul did, excuse me, in his confrontation to Peter changed everything for Peter. And so I'm hoping today that as we talk about it, this changes everything for you, because I know you're going to ask, how do we do it? How, how do we live the crucified life? Paul gave Peter a very specific way to do things. And, and so, so Aaron, how do we do it? If it isn't to physically die, what does that even mean? Well, in the book of Galatians, if you read through the whole book, it's only six chapters long. It mentions crucifixion three different times. And each time it does, it references death to three different things. The very first one we've already read. 
And it, it says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified. I have been crucified. So let me say this. Our first step towards enjoying the, the, the tree of life and the freedom that comes from it all the time so that we stay there is to crucify self. You know, today, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you came to a place where you made a decision that you were going to give your life to Jesus. You were going to surrender to his lordship. We call that salvation, right? You had a moment of faith. You confessed your need for him and you accepted his lordship in your life, meaning that 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 he was Lord. And and if you remember that moment, you remember the beauty of that moment. But can I suggest that this moment that you experience shouldn't be just a moment at all. That if we are to truly fight the tendency to grab the vine and swing back to our old ways, that we have to do what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Paul said, I die every day. That, that there's a call to die every day because in the moment that we accepted Jesus is Lord of our life. We chose to die to ourselves, to crucify self and say, Jesus be Lord. You're in control of our lives. But Paul is saying that, that the one and done thing is not enough. He's saying, man, there's a need for us to choose that moment every single day, to submit to the Lordship of Christ every single day. I mean, and you understand the need for this because you come to church on Sunday, whether that's online or you're joining us at one of our in-person gatherings. And man, it, it's powerful. You're riding high spiritually. And then Monday comes and troubles come and, and traffic comes and, and issues come up and the kids are fussing and, and your spouse is not, is not responding out of love. And, and, and you grab hold of a vine and you, oh, you swing back to the other tree. But you don't have to do that if you choose to die every day. What this means is very simply this. In prayer, daily saying yes to Jesus. It's, it's daily saying yes to his plans for your life and daily saying no to the enemy's plans for your life. It means that in a time of prayer, accepting forgiveness again, because man, we receive that in the beginning of our relationship with Christ, all of our sins get washed clean. And so on a daily basis, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. I need your forgiveness. It's receiving his grace and his mercy anew. It positions us right. It's submitting ourselves to his lordship every single day saying, Jesus, you're in charge and I'm not. Your ways are better. Mine aren't. It's giving forgiveness. It's receiving forgiveness. It's giving forgiveness. It's, it's choosing to forgive people in advance because there's going to be difficult people in your life every day. People are going to offend you. People are going to sin against you. It's receiving his nature and surrendering your own. It's doing something as simple as this. If you look at your life through the lens of your mind, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your heart, and your feet, you can say, Lord, I pray today that I have the mind of Christ. I pray today that all of my thoughts honor you. I pray that they, they follow after the pattern of Philippians 4, that whatever things are lovely, whatever things are just, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, think on those things. Lord, I pray that my ears hear your voice today and only yours. Pray that my mouth speaks things that build people up and doesn't tear them down. That I, I only speak from a place of love and not from a place of anger, hate. Pray, God, that, that you're Lord of my heart today. Pray that you use my hands to serve others and love them well. And that my feet follow in the steps of the Holy Spirit all day long. It's a full submission of yourself to him. This is what it looks like to die daily. And that prayer 
Well, uh, in my life, it seems to only last about 24 hours. Why? Because there's a vine that exists between the two trees that if we don't die daily, we'll choose to swing back to the other tree. You know, John the Baptist said this about Jesus, and I think it's a beautiful picture of how we are to die daily, and at least the reason why. And it's a confession that we can make, and it's found in John uh, chapter 3, verse 30. It says this, that John was saying this about Jesus, that he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This is a great place to start because Jesus must increase in your life, and you've got to decrease. This is a posture and a position of humility. You know, I heard one of my pastors talking about uh, this very subject and, and, and on this actual chapter, this, this topic that we're talking about in Galatians. And, and he said that he not only prays this prayer every day, but that he actually gets on his knees before the Lord. Like it's a physical posturing where he gets down and he prays, Jesus, I pray that you would increase today. And he submits himself. He submits his mind, his ears, his eyes, his mouth, his hands, his heart, his feet. He submits himself fully to God. He chooses to die. And in that posture of humility, he finds such beauty and such grace that just sets his day right. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, since I heard him talking about it, I've been doing it too. And can I just tell you that it makes such a huge difference in me to say, Jesus, I need more of you today and less of me. That you would increase and I would decrease. That, that, that I would become more like you and less and less like me. My pastor that was talking about that said, a man on his face can't fall from that place. If you wanna swing from one tree to the other less, the choice that you've got to make today is humility. You have to choose to humble yourself. That's our action step today, it's humility. You know, there are a few things you can do that will give you more life than humbling yourself. So crucify yourself, through an act of humility. Say, Jesus, I need you. Submit yourself fully to him. The second way uh, that you, or second thing rather that you need to crucify, you need to crucify yourself and then you need to crucify your flesh. Sounds like the same thing, doesn't it? But it's totally not. I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about what resides in your physical body, your passions and your desires. We're talking about pleasures. We're, we're, we're talking about things that, that man, maybe you enjoy, but God has put his hand on and said, no, those, those things are, not good for you, or at least whether that's a season that it's not good for you, or whether it's uh, it's timed a time frame it's just not good for you. Whatever God's reason is, He said no, that there is better for you, and He has a plan for you that's different than the passions and desires that rage within you. And so, this is the second crucifixion that is mentioned in the book of Galatians. Paul said it in chapter five, verse twenty-four: "Those who belong to Christ." have crucified the sinful nature, watch this, with its passions and desires. See, all of us has passions and desires within us. And the world will tell you that the way that you approach those passions and desires is just to give in to them, to trust them. That, you know, you can't help it that you've got these passions and desires. So, so just let them rage and just Follow them, give in to them. Like, you know, if you're somebody who's angry, it's, well, that's just the Irish in you. You can't help it. Your grandpappy was, was angry and your dad was angry. And so this is just who you are. And because that's what you learned and that's what you saw modeled, that's what you get to be. So, so go on and do it. Or because, 
because you you know somebody in your life your your parents were racist that you get to be racist and, and and or maybe it's your sexuality you know you were just born that way you can't help it it feels good and if it if it makes you happy it can't be that bad and the world is pushing us to accept our passions and our desires as our predispositions and our orientations and we don't have to do that that's the world's culture that tells us you can just go with it if you feel it let it fly go for it but that's not how we have to live. You don't have to live by how you feel or how you were born. You know, I couldn't be your pastor if I lived by my feelings. Because I'm gonna tell you, just in that traffic situation, if I did that in traffic, I'm gonna tell you that I would be extending a right hand of fellowship and a particular finger that would get me in a lot of trouble. I'm just being honest. There, there was a day when I, I was actually driving and I was on the road and I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit was, was, was with me that moment, but I was driving into a parking lot and somebody ignored a stop sign and plowed through it. And, uh, and they were supposed to stop and I was supposed to be able to keep on going. And I, of course, blared my horn and threw my hands up like this and because I almost hit him. And I, I didn't want to hit him. And I was, I, was, I was about to lose my Jesus on him. But, but in the moment I was frustrated and, and the person drove by me was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And then I immediately recognized who they were. It was my buddy Trell, and he picked up his phone and called me and said, Pastor Aaron, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said, I, was, I wasn't thinking. It was kind of in my head, and I missed that stop sign. And, and you know, if I lived in my feelings, I couldn't do what I do. I, I would be telling people what for, and I would be acting like a fool and, 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 and pushing people away from God. And you can't live by your feelings either. You know, your feelings are fickle. I've said this before, and many of you repeat it after me because you've never heard the word fickle, but fickle just means thinking, oh, they're all over the place. They're up and down. They can't be trusted. We have to choose to live our lives according to a firm foundation, which by the way is truth, and you'll find truth in God's word. Make a choice. Don't follow your feelings. We talk about it around here and say, choices lead and those feelings will follow. See, the devil is going to make sure that you come face to face every single day with your passions and your desires. And if you have not made a choice about what you're going to do before you are faced with them, your feelings will win every single time. I tell that to young people who are going to get, get go on a date with a young boy or a young girl. You better decide how far you're going to go with them before. You better decide how you're going to honor God with your body and your sexuality before you get confronted with that passion. Because if you don't, you'll lose every single time. We must live by our choices, not by our feelings. By principle, not by pressure. And by standards, not by situations. This may sound hard, but there's freedom on the other side. To have life, Jesus said, you gotta lose it. That means that we've gotta make a choice. And Joshua said this beautifully in the Old Testament. He was the man who, who succeeded after, uh, after Moses died and took over leadership and led them into successful battle and to taking the promised land. Joshua said this about choices. He said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I like it that that word will is in there because it means that, that it's a choice that's made from my will. It's not a choice that's made from my feelings. It's bad theology. The world is trying to sell you on to trust your feelings. You can't trust those feelings. So our action step for this and how we crucify our flesh is through our choices. So we're going to crucify, crucify 
ourselves through humility, and we're going to crucify our flesh through the choices based on God's word, which, by the way, is better and is his best for us. And finally, the last crucifixion we need to make is to crucify the world. Galatians 6.14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, the secret to staying in the tree of life for Paul is his world filter. There's simply things that he kept out of his life. There's a part of the world that he just would not participate in. Too many of us today, I think, let the things of the world pull us from the tree of life into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Paul said, no, he said, I crucify the things of the world to me. And notice, by the way, he said that for himself, not for someone else. That means it's not your job to tell someone else what they, what part of the world they need to crucify in their life. He, he knew for him, for him, what he needed to crucify so that he could stay in the tree of life. And there's some things that you need to filter out of your life. That's essentially what Paul did was he installed a world filter in his life. There was just places he wasn't going to go, things he wasn't going to do, relationships he just wasn't going to have, actions he wasn't going to take, things he wasn't going to say, conversations he would not be part of. And there's some things you need to filter out of your life as well in order to be a Christ follower. You know, you need to be careful who you listen to. Whether you're listening to CNN or Fox News or any of the other news media outlets, you need to be careful what you're listening to. You need to be careful what kind of music you are listening to. Like, what is the theme? What are they talking about? Are they uplifting you? Are they uplifting the people groups around them? Or are they denigrating? Are they teaching you to hate through what you're listening to and then what you are then reciting through the ways, the songs that you are singing? You need to be careful what authors you are reading what you are choosing to believe, especially when it, when it clashes with the truth that we find in God's word. You need to be careful of the shows that you watch. You know, TV has been normalizing fleshly passions for years. I was telling my son the other day, you know, there's, there's that, that uh, on TV uh, years ago, they, they, they would introduce these concepts that were contrary to God's best for our lives. And they, they were part of the way the world was was encouraging us to live. It was the way the world was living. And, and, and in order to get more people on board for them, they put them on TV and the enemy got us to laugh at those situations. They got us to laugh at adultery. They got us to laugh at people living together that were not married. They got us to laugh at, at, at all kinds of things that we should not have been laughing at until today. Now it's become normalized. And you find this, these, these subjects, things that we should not be laughing at, things that we should not be looking at, things that we should not be condoning, things we should not be winking at. They're everywhere and they're everywhere with a vengeance. And those things are destructive to the life that Christ has for us. The world has a lot to say about your marriage, about your finances, about your sexuality, about raising kids, about relationships, about how you think, about the validity and value of a life. It has a lot to say about skin color. The world has a lot to say. You better get a filter. And, I, and it doesn't have to be me. You don't need me to tell you what you need to filter out. What you need is to listen to the Holy Spirit and you need to be in God's word that'll tell you the what, who, and why you need to filter. You don't need me to draw lines, but I'm telling you, you better have a line. There are places you can't go, music you can't listen to, types of shows you can't watch, types of books you can't read. Why? Because you're crucifying the world. You don't have to condemn others who aren't doing the same as you either. You do it and you enjoy the freedom that comes from it.
Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. He didn't say don't fellowship with them. He didn't say don't be kind to them, not don't love them. Come out and be separate from them. And he's talking about in a mindset, in the way that you conduct and, and live your life. He says, touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, there's a tree of life on the other side of these choices to filter out the world. And so our action step here is separation. We must come out from among the way the world is doing things, specifically when they clash with when what God has outlined as his best for our lives. And we must choose to separate from them. Three choices today, three crucifixions. We must make humility, choices, and separation. We must crucify ourselves, our flesh, and crucify the world. And this is the call today. This is the challenge today. And right now, in this moment, I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, today, I pray that you would just lead us. In fact, let me just look, look into the camera right now and just say this. You don't need me to tell you exactly what these things are. In fact, if you'll just learn to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to me? What, what part of me, how do I humble myself? How, what, what part of, of my flesh do I need to crucify? What part of the world systems have I been participating in that I need to separate myself from? Just ask him and listen and respond. And Holy Spirit, as we humble ourselves today, would you do your work in us? Would you show us the choices we need to make to crucify our flesh? Would you strengthen our resolve as we choose separation from the things of this world? And as we live a crucified life, Jesus, give us wisdom and give us grace. Now let me speak to those of you right now that would find yourself far from God. You know, I know that this isn't a popular message, just crucifying oneself, but Jesus said there is a life that you don't know anything about until you make a choice to do, to trust your, your whole life. That means your past, that means your today, that means your tomorrow. That means everything that that entails to him. Until you choose to trust him, you'll never experience that life. And I know you long for it, I know you desire it, but you have to give up the one thing that every human wants, and that is control. We all wanna be our own God. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And so today, if you're ready, take that step. If you counted the cost and you say, you know what? Uh, there's some things that, that, that I'm willing to give up. I, I'm, I'm willing to take a step towards Jesus. I'm willing to, because I wanna experience the life he has for me. If you're ready today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new today. Show me how to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed this prayer today, all of heaven's having a party, and so is Simple Church. We're so proud of you. We're so thankful that you're here today. We're so thankful that you made that that commitment and took that step. And we're asking that if you took that step today, take the next best step. Click on the digital connection card. If you're in the campus, it's the little hand that's raised there. Or, or, and there's a digital connect card that is being um, posted in the comments section and, and fill it out and let us know, hey, I said yes to Jesus today. We wanna make sure you get a Bible. We wanna make sure you understand your next steps. 
we want to celebrate with you. So if you'll fill that out, that gives us an opportunity to do that. Amen, everybody. All right. Well, as we wrap up this message today, I want to give an opportunity for you to give. And uh, as you prepare to give, uh, I do have some, some big news to give you. But first, let me just tell you the ways, all the ways to give of your tithes and your offerings are here on the screen. If the Lord has been speaking to you about giving above and beyond, uh, that tithe and offering either to, our, uh, to, to the building fund or the In This Together fund as we continue to reach out to people uh, post-pandemic, I guess, at this point. Uh, we're just so thankful for your continued faithfulness in those ways. Uh, you can get, give digitally, you can mail it in, and soon we'll be back in person and you'll be able to give in person. But, but thank you again for your faithfulness uh, in this season. And the big news here is simply this, that we're in contract on a building. We found out earlier this week uh, that the, we are in contract on a building. And uh, I'm happy to tell you where that is so that maybe, maybe now that we're in contract, go there, go pray in the parking lot, put your hands on the building. Pray for your leadership, pray for the finances, pray for the funding, pray for the loan that we might get and the appraisals and all the things that we still need to do. Uh, but it is it is 3043 Gender Road in Reynoldsburg. Yep, Gender Road, it's a Reynoldsburg address. It's so, so important to me that we're in the city. It is an Aldi and that Aldi has moved locations to a new build on Hamilton Road. And so this building is open, it's 15,000 square feet. It is almost three times the amount of space we had back at the warehouse days. So if you were there then and enjoyed that space, this is nearly three times that amount. They have blessed us by leaving refrigeration units, freezer units, huge ones, walk-in ones that we'll be able to utilize uh, to make a difference through food distribution in our uh, community and partnership with the Dream Center. We're very excited about that. Of course, there's lots of steps left to take, so be praying for us that God uh, blesses us through all of those things. Of course, we've been praying that if it is not God's plan, if it's not His will, that He shuts the door firmly uh, but uh, we are praying that he keeps it open, that, that we find favor and that, uh, that he blesses us on our way. So be praying for us in that. Hope to see you all very, very, very soon. I love you all so much. Be back next week for week three as we continue in our series on Galatians.